Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, our ongoing homebrewed. Fuck that! <laughs> Try that again, Aubrey. Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides. I am your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. PB just both look over to the, <laughs> the screen as Aubrey says hello, and just the everything goes red. And both of us just like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, the equipment is not my department, so... I love how we've been doing this for two years, and it's still just like a, a, a absolute luck of the draw whether it will work, and it usually doesn't. We're not good with technology. Now, with me, as always, the wind beneath my wings, are BJ Ingate. Hello. And Chester Lydon. Hey, guys. Now, uh, we've been trying to get back into doing character intros, mm-hmm. so who do you play? All right, my name's BJ. As Aubrey already said, I play Alistair Stern, who's an old man now. He's... Old man Alistair. I don't remember how old he is. He's like 36, I think. Um, He's married to Puck. This is a little little cheeky little plot reveal for you. Happened off screen. Happened off screen. Wasn't that important. Um, They now have a child, also happened off screen. Wasn't that important. Um, She's like seven now or six or something. So that's pretty fun. Um, Alistair, yeah, Alistair's, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, a hardened, um, man. No. <laughs> I was about to say that and I was like, that's not right. No, he's, he's, uh, he's become weary with age of trying to look after a post-apocalyptic, uh, society called Ravenholm, which is the remnants of what used to be Port Staples back in the before times. Before, yeah, before times. <laughs> back when it was already a run-down town and now it's an overrun town. Yeah, he used to be a, a gangly, emo-y, uh, angsty researcher. Now he's now he's like a... Now he's slightly he's, pot-belly... He's probably kind of buff. <laughs> no, no, I reckon oh, okay. he's kind of... He's like a rugged self-sufficiency type. And as with everything, that all happened off screen. Yeah, yeah. whatever you say, I'm just imagining Marv in a trench coat. <laughs> a He's trying trench really coat. hard not to be like that, but every day that goes by. <laughs> the more hair recedes, the Eventually more Eventually, he's going to get a gray. dog. He's going to call it number eight. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't said number about again. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Chester. Um, hello, I'm Chester. I play Alla, the uh, somewhat psychotic. Not full-souled uh, creature. He's just a personality. Uh, a robot created by a distant cousin of Tyr, known as... What the hell did I call it? Ilios? Um, <laughs> Was it the Ilios Foundation? The Ilios I'm pretty program, sure we discovered Ilios that Foundation. before we discovered Tyr, didn't we? Yeah, you did. Yeah, um, yeah. you found the computer. Yeah. Uh, created by... Which you subsequently lost, just so you know. What? Oh. What? Do you do either of you know where it that is? That's he would know. I would have kept it on me the whole time. Would no. you have? Yeah, yeah, really? Because I took it back to mm. Tier to research it. R- roll mm-hmm. for keeping. And then I might have. Ke- oh, actually, it's probably at Tier headquarters. 
Well, for Damage! That was going to be a plot point no. for me. I'm just going to tell you, it's not there. Uh, it's not where? Exactly. It's not where you think, <laughs> it's it's not where you think it is. That's like the one thing that I've been waiting to look at. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, created by the... I'll look uh, under some more floorboards, maybe it'll turn up. Brilliant, yet probably slightly mad scientist of Ajax, uh, created to uh, manage huge... Gigabytes of data. Megabytes of data. Megabytes of data in the 1970s. And uh, through the processing of information, was able to uh, start to create its own answers. And eventually, uh, through the feeding of uh, fiction and nonfiction and stuff not relevant to science, he was able to grow uh, more of a personality. Uh, and has now returned after spending 50 years in the desert to... Reap his revenge? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find out. We'll find he out. He doesn't know do what we... he's going to do, but he's happy to be uh, here. Yeah. Do we? Do you want to do any character fun facts? Sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> Chester's very keen. BJ, yeah, you go first. maybe not. <laughs> um, so, uh, Alla, during his 50-year stint in the desert, has seen many things come and go and the, the changing of events. Uh, but something that he has witnessed is uh, one of the parasites' sports. Okay. So they, they go out into right. a, a large, empty <laughs> desert field, uh, and they, they gather together a bunch of, of boulders. And they, they pick up the boulders, and they hurl them into the air, and they then all scatter to avoid being crushed by the boulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever is there a gets, scoring system? Whoever gets crushed losers. So it's like the, it's like that Scottish log tossing exactly, exactly. except there's targets <laughs> and there's two different teams. So you're aiming for the other team yeah, realistically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I like that. Uh, and then because the the sand is so soft, they just worm their way out from underneath the. the <laughs> but boulder. they've lost. They've lost. Yeah, but they're alive. They're, they're not. They're not savages. It is a game they play. Yes, they crush themselves with boulders, but they're not savages. It's like anyone looking at like uh, football or something. We're like, oh, you're just ramming your skulls together until so you're one savages. of you dies. You're savages, you're savages right? Yeah. No, well, can well. you tell none of us are particularly sporty? <laughs> yeah. Funny that. Funny that. Funny anyway, that. Uh, my fun fact for Alistair is that he's had to learn origami mm-hmm. because when Sky was younger, um, I was going to say I don't know how it came up, but I do know how it came up because it's my fun fact. Um, uh, Puck and Alistair were talking and Puck folded like some kind of simple origami thing while they were chatting with like a random piece of paper. And Sky just thought that was incredible. She was like, oh, Dad, can you teach me how to do that? This is a couple of years ago. Um, and he's like, no. So he's had to find, he went to the, like, uh, uh, into the, the library in Mayor Stern's house, tried to find a book on origami, found one somehow, and had to teach himself how to do origami because Puck was like, I, that's the only thing I can make. I'm not going to do, you can teach her if you like. Um, and so that was their bonding thing for about six months. And Alistair loved it because he got to sit down with her and, like, teach her the new thing. And, like, you know, if they'd made a mistake or something, they'd check the book together. Um, and then eventually she grew out of it and moved into, like, building actual things with hammers and stuff, as referenced a couple episodes ago. Um, and so she's completely moved past it. And so now she doesn't bond with him in that way anymore. <laughs> and he's a little bit upset about that. I it, it only exists in my head. And feel free to contradict this because it's uh, your fictional child, not mine. Well, I guess it's our fictional child. <laughs> it's actually child. our fictional yeah, child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, t- my thought had been that Puck and uh, Sky bond over very militant martial like training stuff. Mm. Like like most Probably. of the f- 
fitness self-defense type of stuff that's puck teaching her alistair would be more the creative stuff yeah and, and maybe that's more... the building thing is like they started with origami and then it moved into like oh well let's make a wooden boat or something yeah. and so then he's teaching her all these practical skills and now it's got to the point where she's like i can do it without you dad yeah. i don't need you <laughs> oh no well i, I think the thing is... how to use a circular saw yet <laughs> not that we have those on the island yeah what it would have been to my mind is that that's where it began. And when she realized that Marv knows how to build more things than you, she just oh, yeah. like stops paying attention Alistair to you. He would have either learned through books in the last yeah. 15 years or from Marv when he yeah. was young. Yeah. And so I think weirdly enough, and this was not my expectation at all. <laughs> I, think, I think Sky <laughs> is becoming Marv. a mini Marv. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, actually. She does starts naming her inventions number one, number yeah. two, no, number Sky. three. <laughs> Call them Dave or something, please. Yeah. Don't be, be a right. monster like my uncle. <laughs> All right, now let's do a little recap. So, previously, um, the two of you, Ernest and Alistair, with uh, Edgar in tow, you'd set out from Ravenholm, your fortress, uh, and you had been making your way to... The now uh, pretty much cut off, disused hook bar radio station with the intention of trying to get it working and to get a message out to Heath uh, that was basically giving him Puck's blessing for him to move on because the Fey curse that's on him uh, basically is making him suffer until he goes. Uh, you had arrived there, found it to be in a strange state of disarray it was sort of fractured between many different realities, but not, crucially, uh, between different layers, as you guys have experienced. Although, Alistair did manage to worm his way into the <laughs> desert, unadvisedly. You mean, you mean BJ managed to worm his way into the desert? Or he gave BJ too much power. It's okay. Anyway, <laughs> Don't worry, he'll never make that mistake again. You found a strange crystalline-headed man who did a great deal of damage to both of you, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um. Ernest managed to basically get this creature into the dreaming and break its mind. He was able to defeat it, uh, but in so doing seemed to put himself into a catatonic state. Where we left off, Ernest was unable to leave the dreaming and his body regained consciousness with a new personality, which we now know to be Allah. Um, And that's where we're going to pick up the story. (laughs) <laughs> theme music it's a hawaiian remix mr pop We open in the hook bar radio station. On this headland, despite the mist, there is a storm rolling in. Dark clouds begin to reduce the light that shows through this fog. There is the rumble of far-off thunder getting closer and a gentle pitter-patter of rain on the grass. The inside of this building is in a state of decay, Uh, Much of the roof has fallen in in different places. There are birds uh, nesting in the eaves. 
there is dust and grass, bits of straw strewn across the inside. Uh, Each room is basically its own little whirlwind of rubbish and decay and rot. You're pretty sure there's termites in here as well. Inside... Big termites. Big big termites as well as big worms. (laughs) Real big termites. Um, Inside the recording room itself, Ernest Marsh has just regained consciousness. Now, Alistair, you are very badly wounded in, I think, your right arm or your left arm? Yeah, yes, my right arm, my blood... I believe, kind of crystallized and punctured your skin. Stabbed me from within. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got like half melted. Oh no! Um, Carrion helped that, didn't he? He got the he he got yeah. rid of the crystalline so that you could use it, but it is still it is still gashed up. Yeah. Uh, Edgar is standing over the top of Ernest as Alistair is kind of examining him. Mm-hmm. Ma, uh, not Marv. Herb. Herb. Herb is there looking on confusedly. Uh, he yeah. has been in Alistair's some kind of. Him. In some kind of ghost state for the last who knows how many years. Um, and he's kind of looking on. Now, what are Ernest and Alistair doing? Oh, I will stop referring to you as Ernest. I'll refer to you as Alistair from now. Please, please, that's not, that's not my name. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Edgar, hold him down just in case. I'm going to grab his um, left shoulder. He's holding up both fingers like yes. Oh, sorry. He's like No! Me! Me turn! Alright! He's like looks at points at Edgar. Back you monkey man. Edgar, Edgar does actually like shift back a no, couple Edgar, of steps. No, Edgar, no, don't listen to it. Uh, back, he belongs to me. Edgar, Edgar's head is kind of tilting from one side to the other, almost like he's got some weird ringing in his ears, and he's looking very distressed. Alice is going to turn to Edgar. He's like, "Are you okay?" Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not okay because he's not okay. No, it's not- um, Ernest, you're scaring me, and that doesn't uh, produce good things. You need to. You need some water. You should have some water. He starts trying That's to find his idea. backpack and like the the hip flask. Um, of while water. while he's turning away, you see uh, this thing wearing Ernest's skin pulls off the bomber cap, looks at, chucks it away, pulls off the the yellow jacket, looks at, hi Viz, why? Chucks it over his shoulder as well. Is like looking at his shoes and is like rolling up the ankles of the thing so he can see his socks. Alistair right. looks over at Marv. All right. uh, sorry, not Marv. The other one, Herb. Yeah, the, the other crazy old man. Sup? Are you okay? He's he's looking at his hands and turning them kind of over. I don't know, man. What was in the machine? What was in what? The machine. It was. Clearly, there's something that was in the machine. I think I might have been in the machine. I don't. Ghost in the machine. <laughs> he turns back away. He's like, I'll deal with that later. Like, All right, Ernest, look at me. He's. Uh, can you tell me what happened? Trying to touch his toes right now. <laughs> How flexible is he? Is succeeding? He? Uh, roll, roll for me. Flex. <laughs> Do you not have dice at all? I don't. So we both didn't bring dice. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Uh, he's like touching his toes, but it kind of hurts to do yeah, it. He's, not, pretty good he's not as flexible as Ernest. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Ernest, you know Ernest can get his hands on the ground. Ernest, touch, Ernest like puts his like wrists on the ground. Yeah. Every morning before he has breakfast. 
Edgar returns with a water bottle for Ernest. He's like, so, how did you do that? He takes it, uh, pops off the top and, like, starts drinking it. It's running down the side of his face, down to his shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> it's just, like, bending over. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good for you. <sighs> just a moment. Edgar grabs Alistair and like starts dragging him to the other corner of the room. All right, yeah, I go watching with him. Ernest wretch. Um, Alistair, yes, it's wrong. Oh, that's he's very wrong. wrong. It's he, not him. It's not Ernest. He smells different, and that shouldn't it, be possible. It's that's not, him. not. It's someone else. There was something in that machine that's now inside his head. I think I have to kill him now. No, I wouldn't do that. If He's like looking at Ernest. <laughs> Alice is starting if to realise the implications of Ernest, Ernest not isn't being himself anymore. There. Yes. I'm the alpha mm-hmm. now. And I have to kill okay. him. Well, Ernest is there, in there, somewhere. He's just not at the I surface. Can't so find. killing him will kill Ernest as well. We, uh, we'll find him. But if Ernest isn't here, he's not the alpha and I can't. No, he is here. Not. He's just underneath whatever that is. <laughs> and he's uh, like. Edgar is sweating bullets. Um, as you were having this conversation, oh, no. Ella like, leans back up and he's kind of composed himself now. He like wipes his hands down his face and like brushes off the water. He adjusts his collar and he buttons it all the way up to the neck. Ernest always has like a few buttons up, like undone, buttons it fully to the neck, adjusts the collar, and he Ernest always has his hair like sweeping a bit crazy off to one side. He uses the water on his hands to just like brush it back and like contain it a bit. And he looks to Edgar and says Try. No, don't he will kill you. He'll do it. Listen, no, okay. You'll stop him. I hate you already. <laughs> What have you done with Ernest? Where is he? You need to bring him back to the surface. Otherwise, this thing is going to kill you no, and you're, me. No, actually, you'll kill him because you've killed ones in the past. Um, no, I, I've borrowed. Don't tell Ernest. him that. He was and there. Hang on. No, wait. No. How do you know that? I see everything Ernest sees now. Great. So he oh, is okay. there. Oh yes, Ernest is still here. So you better Good. look after me. <laughs> Alistair rolls his eyes like I, I hate time travel. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously not time travel, but it doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> yes, very good. Um, so, um, I will give Ernest back. Uh, you can hear that too, Eddie. Um, I will give him uh, back. Now, but so that that first, thing doesn't kill actually, you. Actually, no, first I'm going to indebten you to me. I am the only person alive, and he gestures, who can fix this. And I can get it working better than it ever has before. All I need is a screwdriver, a little bit of time, and you are looking up. Orange juice. I thought you were going to say a lollipop. All right, listen. Uh, Otherwise, you get no Alistair message. Alistair walks around in an angry little circle. Otherwise, you get no message right. to Heath and he Shut can up. die and all that. Um, but I can. If you can fix it, explain to me what's wrong. With it? Yes. <laughs> he looks. Around, he just gestures around at the like the, the cobwebs, the, the, yeah. the broken in ceiling. It's like. It's gone to shit. <laughs> he gestures around. It's like, well, uh, there are. He's like, listen to it. There are termites. 
Uh, there is a, a great deal of water leaking into machinery. That's not great. Uh, you've, uh, he's like gesturing at Herb. You've tried to combine uh, about 80s technology with some more mon stuff. That, he's like pointing at an amplifier. That's not plugged in. Uh, <laughs> gesturing around. That's and it's a like, fire hazard. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's pointing at like some sparking wires. And it's like, that could be another big issue. Uh, I'll, I'll need some electrical tape as well. Alistair looks at you. With this kind of, do you think I'm dumb? Especially, he's like, "Yes, I know. Fixing things is kind of my thing. I can, I know what's wrong with the radio station. So mm-hmm. you're gonna have to give me a much better reason as to why I can't fix it. So why haven't you fixed it yet? Uh, because I got here ten minutes ago. You've been here for fifteen years. No, I got here ten minutes ago. So you've been lazy for 15 years? I've been keeping other people alive, and now I'm That's here. That's not actually an excuse. And when uh, I got here, I, I shook hands with a crystal man. Yes, and that, I'm was, that was me. I, uh, yes, I thought so. He's like rubbing his finger, like, uh, fingers in the dust of the machine. He's like, well, let's... Uh, your core issue is not the radio tower not working. Your core issue is the fact that you were stuck in a a time dilation point, and uh, radio signal travels uh, not very well through that. So we're going to need to soup this bad boy up a little bit. Yes, okay. To train you need to start it. telling me things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yet you haven't done any of them. So why would I tell you things that you still haven't done? Because clearly you're not smart enough to do them. Uh, because I know all of these things already, and if you hadn't tried to kill me, I would have done these by now. So you need he... to give me a very good reason not to lock you in that cupboard over there. He's... No, that one over there. <laughs> not that, no, that... He slowly... It doesn't matter! He slowly sinks down onto the ground, like, crossing his legs, like, come and get me when you need me, then. <sighs> In the background of this conversation, Edgar has taken off his jacket and like folded it and put it on a table and started rolling up his sleeves. He picks up the chair and he throws the chair legs first at Ernest's face. Um, So he's going to roll to hit you. Mm -hmm. That's a nat 12. He's not going to try to avoid it. All right. Now, Edgar's damage is... uh, (laughs) And and Ernest dies to a chair. (laughs) All right, that's a four damage. Yep. It just smashes you in the face. There, there was a termite in that chair. <laughs> and before you know it, Edgar is just on top of you. And you're like cross-legged on the ground. He's just pinned you to the ground. And he's got his whole hand like on one side of your face. And he's just pressing your face into the ground. It's like, if Ernest is in there, Ernest better tell me to stop. Because otherwise I'm not going to stop. <laughs> Ryan, hold on. Let me look Fine. at my stats. Um, and because no, you're prone and you're not sta- fighting No, let back, me look at my stats. He's going to hit you again. Yep. I, I would act as soon as he throws the chair. Well, then act. I'm looking gets, at my stats. He gets two attacks per turn anyway, so okay. uh, that's five more damage as he just smashes your head into the ground. <laughs> if you're in Ernest's body and you need a body, you better save your body. But why would I? This is so much fun, seeing you monkeys play. Uh, Edgar's, uh, his face is getting kind of twisted and waxy in a weird way. He's like, if we're going to play, then let's play. Ernest isn't here anymore. I'll tell you a funny thing about being a Wendigo. Object permanence. If it isn't here right now, it doesn't exist to me. 
and he reaches up for his face and he rips the claws through the skin and the flesh just starts peeling away and he's rapidly becoming five times the size. At this point, Alistair has already pulled his gun and he fires a bullet straight through uh, Edgar's right leg for six damage. Okay. With a, a, a ten, Ella puts his feet on the ground and like kicks away more towards Alistair and like smiles and gestures with his arms. I'd love to dance, but two left feet. I'm not your dancing partner. And he looks up to Alistair. He goes, but you are. I don't, I don't give a damn, damn about, about anyone else. else. Come get me. Uh, with a nat 10, Alistair hits you on the side of the head. I'm going to try and knock you out. Uh, Ernest, I realise like, it doesn't work when I gesture my eyes <laughs> in this audio podcast. What do we do about that? Uh, hang on, I'll give you damage. I think if he, if he succeeds, and I think you just have to roll like a... You would have to roll a check, and if you get higher, then I'd say an, an, or, or a natural 12. Right. Okay. It's like, thunk, ow! <laughs> and at that point, Edgar is going to pounce. And this is no longer the Humiga, this is full Buck Wendigo, the antlers breaking through the the dust and the debris of the floor, and these long sinuous arms with claws. Uh, and his method of pouncing on you is he just puts his claws straight into your chest and drags your body backwards, and he is basically reaching up with one hand to this crack in the roof that's like letting natural sunlight in, and he's ripping open the roof. Alright, Alice is going to fire another round. Yeah. He did flinch and howl when you shot him, but he's so focused he can just sustain damage and keep moving. Uh, so that's a 14 to hit. Alright, you absolutely hit him. Um, it, he's reaching up with an arm, right? Yeah, he's so, reaching up with yeah. one arm and hold and Whatever drag shoulder him. that one is yeah, that's right. reaching up to the roof. He flinches back and he rips a, like a chunk out of the roof, but he's let go of it and he's basically huddling backwards and dragging the, I'm assuming screaming Ella. No, he's not making no sense. pain. <laughs> no, he switched that off in his mind. Okay, pain is mental. Okay, um, I don't actually know if Alistair can do this, but I'm going to recall the knife to myself rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Okay. I assume I can do yeah, that. Yeah. I just don't think I've ever actually done that in the podcast because um, it was. I only know this because for once I actually re-listened to the last episode before we recorded mm-hmm. like a few days ago. <laughs> it was stuck into the door. It's so much better when we know what's happening in the story. It's great. It was stuck into the door of Herb's van. Yep. So he's going to recall that into his hand. Yep. Um, and I'm going to make another attack on Edgar, but this time I'm moving in close and I'm going to attack the other shoulder that's like yeah. pulling Ernest this time. Because I realised I shot the other one and I was like, oh, that's probably the other arm that's more of a problem right now. Fourteen to hit again. Yep. Oh. Wait, so I have I have a D10. Do you have one? Five, uh, seven damage. Okay. Uh, and the aim of that more is just trying to get him to drop Alla. Yep, he'll drop him as mm-hmm. you hit him. Yep. So Alla, you're like dropped on your stomach on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so Alistair does that and then like spins around again with the knife is in his left hand and he draws his gun on the right hand. And if I can, if I'm close enough, I'm going to put the knife against Edgar's throat and the gun against his forehead. She's like, leave. And I don't know if I can use some kind of intimidation with that because I've killed Wendigos or something. You can, you can try. Yeah, roll for intimidation. If uh-huh. you want. 
That would be plus. We're just trying to uh, currently intimidate a Wendigo. Plus by combat or intelligence? I would say it's probably... Because mm. it's a combat scenario. It's probably combat. I would say it's physical. Right. Yeah, I have the same plus to both. Yeah. So. 11. All right. Uh, you are staring this thing dead in the eye, the sort of mottled, rotting face of bone and deer skull and human eyes set deep into this skull. Um, and it's going to... Do I get a, an, a like react action if he tries to move? Because even though it's a you Wendigo, do, like, yeah. a bullet through his but, head is going to kill him. Um, what did you say you rolled, sorry, for intimidation? Uh, it was an 11, I think. All right. With a, a 12... Oh, no. <laughs> he opens his jaws, and you just have this... Both it's the smell of the breath, and you your brain just goes back to Slate Ridge and to being hunted in the wood by yep. these things. He does the old Uno reverse yes. card on the <laughs> only, on the only just roll. though. So you're still going to get your attack of opportunity because you've got him right there. But in this rattling voice, he says, "I am the Alpha now," and he is going to try and lower his uh, his antlers and just smash you aside. But you are going to get to do your damage. You won't have to roll the hit. <laughs> I mean, technically, with a knife at his throat and a gun in his forehead, I could just kill him. Can you, though? It's With a Wendigo, it's about the amount of damage. Because the other thing, which I have here in his stats, is that he has, I mean, to put it bluntly, a healing factor. Yeah. You need to do an incredible amount of damage in a short amount of time to kill a Wendigo. All right. I'll do it. Yep. So, knife, like, slice straight from the throat, and mm-hmm. then pull the trigger on the gun. You don't need to roll to hit, because... He, right there, you already got him. Yeah. So, so just damage, damage. Come on, big rolls. Ah! Uh, so the knife does five. I did basically the minimum amount of damage I possibly could. So right. I, b- between both weapons, I did ten damage, which All is right. absolutely you, nothing. You shoot the gun, the head jolts, and your blade snicks across the throat, and there is just a gush of blood down onto the ground, and then. He grabs you because you are right there. And with a 11, no, sorry, a 14, mm-hmm. uh, he just smashes you through the glass panel that is that separates the recording room with the booth that has like all of the, the mixes and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And so he's just going to throw you through the room and he's going to dive on top of Valor again. So I did ten. To can him. you ro- can you roll a d8 for me? Yep, guys. This uh, this uh, impromptu setup's not doing us so good. Guys, the uh, Dark Knight's no, company. It's five plus three, plus three to his okay. damage. Yep. Uh, all right, he's uh, looking around now for Al. Yep. Where is Al? Al is entirely gone. I think you got to roll no, for that. I did. Chester. I rolled. I rolled Ooh. three times, and I'm going to reveal it slowly. He begins to stalk through this recording room. Every bit of furniture, he just hooks his claws underneath it, rips it up, and when there's nothing under there, smashes it back down. Uh, and there is a... And as the radios within the station switch on, and you hear Alice's voice... 
big boy. This way. Uh, Alistair, you are kind of reeling from this uh, this blow. <gasps> and you are aware, as okay. you just hear smashing, that potentially the viability of the radio station working is going to depend on how long Edgar has to look for Alla. I hate babysitting. All right. Edgar is going to ah, smash claws his way up to like try and sit up on one elbow. He's like, <laughs> how much health is Alistair right now? I've got seven left. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you are I'm, gushing blood yeah. at your arm, and you're realizing, ooh, I'm pretty sure I cut my back up going through this that is plate glass. About double the amount of damage I've taken at any other point <laughs> in the show ever. Guess what? There's more to come. Oh boy! Edgar just like smashes an arm through the doorway and rips. Uh, the side out of the wall to make it big enough for him as he pushes out into the into the hallway. He is a big animal in a very cramped mun- municipal building. Yeah. And the, the radio signals again. Up here. Come on. Up here. The, the antlers scrape across plasterboard as he looks up. Come on, you lumbering oaf. And he just sticks an arm right up through the roof and starts ripping steel back, like uh, corrugated iron roofing back, and starts climbing his way out of the roof. Uh, all right, can I go next? Yeah, you can go next. All right. So Alistair is going to... <laughs> you know, he's not even going to bother trying to climb up through the wall in the window. He just tosses the knife over and teleports into the other <laughs> room. He's like, I... That's uh, <laughs> um, uh, Herb is just standing... He's like got both arms out slightly and his knees bent a little bit like he's balancing and he's just like waiting and his eyes are darting around. And then as he does that, Alistair's knife goes and before it hits the ground, bam, Alistair's there bleeding in front of him. He's like, (sighs) (sighs) he like looks at him for a second, turns around and I'd like to pick up um, Ernest's lantern. Is that on the ground? I assume it's still there. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to pick up the lantern, Um, holster holster the gun. Yeah, I would have done that before he threw the the knife. Pick up the lantern. He looks at Herb and he's like, "We have a gun. I'd I'd find that if I were you." And then he's gonna walk out after Edgar. All right. And I would like to try and activate the lantern. I don't know what it like. Alistair has no idea what it does. He doesn't know how it works. I'm trying to either use it as a distraction for Edgar, as a shield for myself. Or as some kind of healing thing, because mm-hmm. Ellie's like, I don't know, pretty light, go burr. So maybe if I <laughs> like All right. look at it or something. Um, roll Arcan, Arcana mm-hmm. for me. That's a eight. Do you have pluses to Arcana? No. All right, you're going on gut instinct here, and your feeling is. Ernest, the, Ernest being able to use this is special and it's something mm. specifically to do with Ernest. You know that you can't activate this, mm-hmm. but you have a hunch. If anyone can, other than Ernest, Carrion's a good bet. Mm. Now, it's up to you what you're going to do with that information, but I'll give you that information on an eight. You can't activate this, yeah. but maybe Carrion can, but then also maybe Allah could. Yeah, because it's the right it's the it's same right body. person. Yeah. And you don't yet know how what that the deal works. is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well I might as well keep it with me. So where am I situated in terms of where Edgar is? I now? would say that Edgar is ripping his way up and levering himself out onto the ceiling and you're like in the corridor just behind him. He's yeah. not, not interested in you. Yeah. You are 
a minor distraction to him no, ripping f- uh, yeah, Alice limb from limb at this point. Alistair's only plan is like, I need to either become the alpha, don't know how I do that, or I need to damage him enough that he can't keep fighting yeah. and that he needs to... to leave and yes. then I can deal with Ella. One thing you absolutely do know about Wendigos and this is your training and this is your experience at Slate Ridge. They are tough to kill. These things have a yep. great healing factor. They're predators but they're not open warfare tanks. They're not there to take as much damage as they can They're supposed to be sneaky. They're and, supposed yeah. to be... Same as Alistair. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed to be hiding in the dark woods picking people off. Yeah. So there is absolutely a threshold at which survival instinct will kick in and Edgar will run for cover. I just got to get to that point. Yeah, you just got to okay. get him to that point first. Um, I'm going to instead of following him up through the hole in the roof, I'm going to run down the corridor, probably underneath mm-hmm. Edgar, because Edgar's climbed up. Yeah, you can definitely hear where he is going. Yeah, um, and so my thought is if I can get either outside the building or like get another way to throw the knife back the other way my hope is if I catch him off guard one I'll be able to do more damage because he won't see me coming and yeah. and also two if it's like if he's laser focused on doing that thing if I just like keep popping out of nowhere and distracting him and hitting him maybe that will make more of an impact yeah. than just trying to fight him because he'll keep running Edgar has uh, ripped his way onto the roof and Alistair you can hear him crawling over the top what is Alistair yeah. doing? As Edgar emerges out onto the roof, uh, he's looking around and then looks up to the radio tower that's built on the roof. And Allah is sitting on it. Of course he is. Where he has <laughs> constructed using two anchor, like the two anchor poles of it, because it's a, a, like a pyramid basically that goes up with metal lines, um, using a, a piece of um, uh, elastic as the drawstring from it. He has gotten a, a small piece of barbed metal and he has attached a cord, a power cord that he has cut off from the tower to it. And he is pulling it back, waiting, and he's counting with these. Three, two, one. And he lets go of it as a bolt of lightning hits the top of the tower, electrifying the cord that it's connected to and yeah. shoots it directly at Allah with an 11 nice. to hit. Okay. Uh, directly at Edgar with an 11 to hit. Nice. So how projectile-wise, are you just... It's like an electrified re- arrow. Okay. Electrified piece of rebar. All right. This bit of rebar, I'm guessing, with an 11, just takes him right in the chest. Yeah. And so he's already... You can, like, see his chest expanding as he takes in air to scream, like a war cry type of thing, which is interrupted by the rebar puncturing a lung and pins right through him and then the electricity hits and the electricity takes him too so damage for that I'm going to say is probably something like the rebar itself is probably I'd say it's a that's 5 can, points I of damage the electrification I reckon roll a d20 on top so 5 bitches you have a d20 my game no <laughs> I got one there I just can't reach it <laughs> so I don't think we mentioned this at the start of the episode but we're all sitting in Chester and Aubrey's living room in these really, really like low reclining chairs because we've had to move all the stuff out of the recording room today. And so none of us can reach the table because the microphones are in front of us. So we can't reach the dice if we need a new one. So we've had to, like, I dropped one on the floor and I had to move my microphone out of the way. And yeah, yep, it's, it's, it's great. The Dark Tides Company, guys, please subscribe to Patreon. Uh, <laughs> 
We don't need no. to tell them that it's because we're about to renovate the recording room yeah, to make yeah, it no, better. No, 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 no. It's just um, we've. This is guys. guys we'll be recording on the street next week. Please <laughs> don't make us go to a, a Don't make us go to a cafe. Uh, so that's eighteen points of damage. The electricity. Okay, so that is a twenty-three. He is there. Is like the. The arms are open wide, the claws are extended, like the that face is looking up at you, and there is just smoke. Like he's stopped. And there is just smoke rising from him, as I'm assuming Alistair you. So uh, by this point I've, I've run out of the building. Um, so as he's there, like sizzling a little bit, <laughs> this toasted Wendigo, um, he just sees uh, he just hears like a sink. He looks up and he's like, what's that? He looks up and uh, strangely, there's a knife sticking into the pole above him. He's like, hmm, Gio, wonder what? Oh, no. And then Alistair's just there and he brings it down straight at the base of his neck. All right. Four. For me? No, no, um, Edgar. Oh, Edgar, Edgar. I was like, are we trying this again? My gamer. He would, no, he was just trying to knock you out so you <laughs> would, like, leave Shut him up. alone. Yeah. Uh, 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 that's an eight. All right. Well, if that's not going <laughs> to hit, I can tell me if it's not going to hit. Please. That's, that's not damage. That's just a hit. Oh, that's to hit. Yeah, because I can. Um, I can substitute. Actually, it does. It does hit him. It does. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But if it's a knockout roll, isn't the whole thing you can either knock out or do damage? Isn't that the deal of a knockout roll? Was that your goal? Oh, so no. I meant before. I was trying to knock out Ernest. Now I'm. I'm doing damage to Edgar. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Please don't kill him. I mean, I'm trying not to. Aubrey's not making it good for me. Ah, that's better. 12 damage. Okay. It's about yeah. the max I can do. So you've dealt 61 damage in the period of like, I don't know, so five seven. minutes of combat. Yeah, no, not like two. <laughs> Probably, yeah, two minutes of combat. Yeah, good teamwork. Uh, <laughs> you, you feel the blade like crunch into vertebra. Mm-hmm. And this wheeze and this growl comes out of here. He is not dead. He's probably not gonna run, but it's not far off. He's he's probably calculating how much it's worth to continue, and he's probably going to act very desperately and very aggressively. Yep. Uh, Alistair. Edgar doesn't see this. Alistair stabs it in, pulls the knife out, drops the knife down to the yeah. the roof below. Oh, is he standing on the roof? He's on the roof. He was okay. he was going to leap for the actual radio tower. Okay. I just kind of like toss it, like slide it along the roof a little bit so I have an escape route. Um, and as I can see this like damage, like registering on Edgar's face thing it's Skull. more like the whole body movement <laughs> yeah. is telling you he's like racked with pain yeah i'm just gonna reach up with my hand that's now empty and just grab his face and just say i said leave and shove him down the roof like off the roof all right well you're gonna have to roll strength to try and do that this is a okay. this is five times your size and weight with my arm that's basically falling <laughs> off yes so you have seven health <laughs> What else am I going to do? AJ, you have seven health. Why is everyone dying? 15. All strength right. check. 
With a 15 because he is because he is unstable and he's almost comatose. You basically like grab him and you almost grab one of the horns and you roll him off the roof and you hear him crash. Uh, like he tries to grab the gutter and rips the gutter off as he crashes to the ground. It's only one story behind buildings. He doesn't fall far. And you can hear this grumbling, groaning hiss from right, below. I get two gonna, attacks you, per turn. So now okay. I'm going to walk to the edge of the, the thing, pull out my gun and shoot him through the other leg. Okay. Just as like a, <laughs> an extra punctuation to my thing. Well, it's either that or he kills Ernest. Like they're True. the only options I have. Alistair, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You are feeling like a great deal of pain. You're aware that you are f- running on fumes and Absolutely, adrenaline yeah. and survival instinct as you like roll this Wendigo off a roof, calmly reach into your jacket, you pull out your gun, you like check that it's loaded, click it back, and you like step to the edge to put a bullet through its leg and you fire. But the bullet is caught by the fact that a large... A dumpster about the size of a small car <laughs> is flying at your head. Alistair, calmly and smoothly with the last tiny little fumes of, like, conscious thought that he has, all Edgar sees as this dumpster is flying straight towards his head and it would kill him. Yes. Is Alistair just... Alistair just... And he's on the other side. Of the roof, I holding like, the dumpster. I feel like even if it's a bit lame, Alistair should say something. Clever boy. <laughs> oh, um, no. That would be quite lame. Uh, and you will see you've done a, a pretty significant amount of damage, as well as also asserted quite a lot of dominance. That's more what he was going for. Yeah. It's just like, no, you can't outbeat me. So Edgar, being the fact that he's in a the space of about five minutes, has realised... His alpha's gone, but maybe not gone, and he's tried quite hard to kill to make sure that he's gone, and the amount of damage he's taken in a short period of time... going well for him. Edgar's gonna regroup. You just see this dark shape uh, almost disappear into the long grass, and a, a creature that big, you're going, there's no... You shouldn't be able to get that much cover... But he basically disappears into this grass, and you can see the grass. That's moving what he's good at, basically. Yeah, as he's as he's making his way to the treetops. Now, the storm has almost fully arrived. The rain is beginning to patter harder. Uh, you are on the roof. Allah is still in the recording tower, like he's up. No, he's still. He's like sitting on the tower. His legs are kind of like swaying from side to side. He's like stroking his chin. He's watching um, Edgar disappear. He says, Oh dear, we are in trouble now. Alistair collapses on the roof and drops the knife, drops the gun. He's looking up into the sky. He's like, ow. And then I'm going to try and pull out like, uh, maybe like I have a scarf or something. I'm just pull it out and very loosely wrap that around my right arm as much as I can to stop the bleeding. Just pull it tight and just lie there as the rain starts. Yeah. Uh, 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 yep. Okay. There is the ting, ting, ting sound as Allah climbs his way down onto the roof and he dusts himself off. Alistair just looks his eyes over. He's not moving his head. He just looks at him. He's like, you better not try and kill me too. Oh. Why do you think I'm here, Alistair? I don't know. He's so done. He's like, I don't, I don't know. He like opens it up. I'm 
here to help. Great. Great. Good. That's that's great. Tootles. <laughs> and he's going to jump back through the hole back inside. I'm not staying in the rain. Alistair's going to... Uh, I don't think I dropped the the lantern. I still had that in my right hand all the time. Yeah. Uh, my left hand, sorry. Um, or you could have clipped it onto your belt or something. Yeah, actually, that's probably what I did when I was running through the hall. Um, he's going to move his hand up and place the hand on the lantern and close his eyes. And I'm going to try and... I guess this is an arcane roll. Mm-hmm. To try and connect, not with the lantern, because I'm fairly certain that's not going to work, but try and connect with Carrion through the lantern. Yeah. Because I figure if there's something about this that Ernest can use, it might be like a like a cornerstone or like some kind of something between the layers, I don't know, um, that might allow me to talk to Carrion. Because usually I can't unless Carrion is able to talk to me or something else happens. Yeah. All right, you, are you so you're closing your eyes. Yep. You're sitting on this roof. Lying. <laughs> Lying on the roof. What you do is as you close your eyes, you kind of let your yourself drop into that sort of... Did we say it was sepia or like the... It's like black and white kind of fuzzy. It's like very echolocation looky. Yeah. Looking. And in, usually you drop into that in sort of a moment and then you're able to, to get your prescience. Yeah. Uh in this instance, you stay in that fuzzy space and perched on the roof beside you is the tall, uh, yeah, bird-like. I keep going to say carrion-like, but he is carrion. <laughs> so, uh, the, yeah, you, the, the tall figure of carrion is sort of crouched over, uh, perched on the roof beside you. So Alistair still has his eyes closed, of course, but he kind of looks up as though he's looking at where Carrion is. Well, you can, yeah, in this weird yeah. sense where you're almost echolocating, you're almost seeing him. That's true, actually. I'm, and I'm you're thinking that this is, probably, this is probably this is probably not necessarily a reliable way, but if there is a reliable mm. way to get in contact with Carrion, it's something like this. Wow. Uh, I didn't think that would work. Hi. Hello. Um... Could you do anything with this? He like <laughs> tries to lift his arm a little bit with the, the lantern. Uh, a long feathered arm reaches out and talon taps the the glass of the lantern, mm-hmm. and the flame sort of fizzes and sparks and ignites. And Interesting. in this black and white space, it is still a golden glow. Right. And reflected in Carrion's pale, impassive face, it says, This is an artifact of a bygone people. I don't know anything about it. Ernest had it when he arrived. The forefathers were an old people. The who? The forefathers. Oh. You have okay. not had no, reason. Not really. No. You look. Uh, I am in a lot of pain. pain. Yes. Um. Uh, he shuffles closer, and you can see more of him in this golden light. Alistair, it is very important that you survive, and it is very important that you help Ernest. Now, right now, you can do nothing for his mind, but you can look after his body. And I have one more thing I need to ask you. Okay. It is hard for me to be here 
This place is a prison. You're not supposed to be able to get in, I know. It is not that we are not supposed to. It is that it is a risk for us to be here. But there is a lost thing who needs you. Okay. You must do everything you can. Uh, how do I find it? Them? Him. Him. You will find him near the water. You will know, but I have to go. Okay. Um, and then there is a rustle of feathers and he disappears into this black, white grain. All right. Alistair opens his eyes. All right. You are left on the roof. Is the lens still on? Yeah. Ah. It's a weak, small mm-hmm. flame, kind of a th- almost like a pilot light that's keeping it going, but okay. it is on. All right. Um, which you you think, if nothing else, might provide you with some protection tonight as the, the storm clouds are gathering, you're realising you're getting towards evening. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Alla, I guess, inside of the radio station. Alla is now sitting in a air-conditioned, lit-up room, relaxing. Recli- I rolled a 15. Um, so he has gotten uh, the air-conditioned work working, the lights working again, and he's just, like, lounging back in the um, the main chair that Herb would sit in to, like, listen to them recording. And he's peering into the now-shattered glass of the recording room, and he's kind of frowning as he's hearing, like, whispered voices kind of echo from it. There's more things here than just me. Ah. You hear... <laughs> you hear some, some like, banging on the roof. And then, like, kind of a... What sounds like... You know, like, when you have a big bag... A big pile of laundry and you drop it on the ground. It's like that muffled poof sound. Mm-hmm. You hear that. Then some swearing. <laughs> And then uh, nothing for a bit. And then you hear a door slam and then some more swearing. <laughs> and then and these slow footprints getting closer and closer. Just dragging one yeah, leg. And then finally Alistair like <sighs> looks in the room, holding the land, just bleeding everywhere. And he's also soaking as well, though. He's like, hi. <sighs> he walks over puts the thing down on one of the like mixer desks that the lantern and it's like giving off a faint light and he like plops himself down on the floor herb is still there I guess herb is making t- herb's disappeared he's he's you've when you were on the roof you could hear him uh try yanking the the door of his van open mm-hmm. he's trying to get into it why is there a knife wounded <laughs> oh, someone ruined the paint someone keep my car all right what is ella up to Ella is examining Ernest's cuticles. Up to standard? I don't know. I've never had them before. Raspy. Fingers? Any of this. This is all very new to me. Cool. Alistair, I'm sure you're very confused. You know... Alistair, I've gotten, don't, 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 don't. No, really, I've gotten to the point where... Alistair, whatever you say is just going to be ignorant and annoying to me. Just, so just, I don't get confused anymore. I just... Sorry, I'll let you... Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, I am a personality. I don't, you know, like gestures to the, the, the lantern. 
Um, if you were wondering, I can't do anything with that. That's, I was. That's I all. Did know how it worked. Ernest's thing. I don't have a soul. Alistair kind of. Um, <laughs> he was. He's obviously in a lot of pain, but he kind of. He's put. He's, he was very angry when he was first talking to you, and he's kind of like accepted that. All right, I've got to learn. So he like kind of straightens up and sits forward, and he's like, "All right, I want to actually hear what you have to say." Uh, so that's entirely on to do with me. Uh, I am a personality that was created by a man named Ajax. Ajax. Back, yes, back. I in, know that name. Back in the early seventies. Well, you would, as he, you're a, a child of Tia. No, he worked for um, for Ilios, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. I am Ilios. I am all that remains of it. You're the the company? Uh, basically, at the end. How that all ended up. I was created okay. to as a uh, early operating system to manage their data, uh, but through Ajax's oh. uh, feeding me of information, I slowly grew a personality. Because all a personality truly is, is an off-calculator. A calculator that takes in information, throws away some information, prioritizes other. That's all personality is, and that's all I am. Okay, so let me get this straight. You are... You were created by Ilios, Mm -hmm. or by Ajax at Ilios, Mm -hmm. and you... Okay, so you're the one who spoke to us. Yes, I helped you several years ago. Why? Well, I'm grateful, but why? Well, it comes down to the fact that... Uh, Ilios decided that I was a time sink for Ajax and I wasn't going to be financially useful so they cut the project it broke him but he uh, kept going in some fashion and I grew things grew tenuous as they were dealing with matters that only gods should deal in they were meddling and it cost Ajax everything they took him from me, and so I sought vengeance by trying to seek him out, because I knew he had gone into another layer. So he went to the desert. That's what I believed. So I created a way for myself to get him to the desert. Uh, I pursued him there, and you got cut off. I was cut off, trapped for he like uh, looks around about fifty years. I was there. It's about right. But, while I was there, I heard the locals singing a song that I had once heard Ajax sing to me. Okay. The words of it were... Now, don't take this... This is not... I'm not here to to delude you by saying this is prophecy. Prophecy is for fools who put their faith in men. I heard the song that went, There will come a soldier who carries a mighty sword and he will tear your city down. Okay. There will come a poet whose weapon is his word and he he will slay you with his tongue. And lastly, there will come a king whose brow is lain in thorns smeared with oil like David's boy. Now this is this is just a song. That's all it is. But... Ajax songs of stories, songs of stories, and Ajax sang it to me, and so it is important to your race to a degree. But I heard the parasites sing it, which means it is a, a it's universal, it is a universal story. And when I met you and Ernest, I was sure that I had met 
the soldier and the poet. And uh, for as long as Ilios has been a thing, for as long as I've been around, Mother has been tampering, and I'm fairly sure she is the tyrant, that those stories are made to sing against. That that rings true with what I've experienced, definitely. At least that part of it. I don't know if I'm much of a soldier, but she's a tyrant for sure. So, I... For me, I only care as long as there are still layers for me to search for Ajax. But she is slowly whittling that down. So here's the here's the, the deal. Here's the deets. That's oh, okay. Um, I will repair your radio station. I will get working better than it ever has before. I will get working to the point where you can communicate with people from different layers. I will get it working beyond your wildest dreams. That would make the world of difference. And here's what I'll also do. I'll also give you back Ernest. That is very important. And once I give him back, he's in complete control. I'll have to beg him for my time share of the body. Uh, but there are two things I want. Okay. I want access to the laptop. I know you have the laptop. I have Ernest's brain. I have Ernest's brain. I've seen it. Oh. That was Ajax's laptop. He didn't... There was some research that he didn't even give to me to look at. And it's on that computer. It's on that computer. And I know how to get into that computer because, as I said, I am Ilios. Any code, any password, I have it. Okay. And next is I want to see the laboratory that Dr. Pike had here. Okay. Well, theoretically, both of those things are possible. Um, Yeah. You may have noticed things are a little bit more chaotic here than they used to be, so getting to the laboratory is possible, but dangerous. And the laptop, I don't have it anymore, because I gave it to my uncle. And the problem is, I don't know where he is at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, if we can find him... Maybe he'll. I, I thought maybe he'd be able to get into it, but by the sounds of it, he won't have had any more luck than I have. And I have been trying for about seventeen years at this point. I think it's difficult to count. Um. Okay. All right. Uh. Yeah. We can. I can make that work as much as I can. I mean, I don't know what's going to get in our way, but I could do my best. Um. I do have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Did. The he like props himself up a bit. He's like, did the information you were given at Ilios contain anything about first aid? Uh, he's like, looks up at you <laughs> because I think between me and you, we might be able to patch each other up enough that we can get home and get the radio station working. Patch me up. Yes, you probably can't feel pain, but if you take a look at yourself, you will notice you're going to bleed out if we don't do something about that massive hole in your chest. Looks down, down. Yeah, there's five, there's five talon marks yeah. in your chest. And also your head is bleeding from where Alistair tried to knock you out. Like, and and when you go smashed your face into the ground. Yeah. I'll need a stapler and a lighter. A spoon. I hate you already.
all right, well, let's let's jump forwards in time. Uh, we see a brief montage of... Uh, it's, it's, I'm guessing... It's really bright and well-lit and, like, happy, upbeat, like, 80s synth music and somehow... But both of them look like they are still in pain. And, and yeah, but they're both, of... like, smiling at each other and like, yeah, you got this, bro. <laughs> There's also a scene where um, Alar is stapling it, uh, Alistair's arm back together and it looks like it's extremely painful. <laughs> He's screaming, screaming, cut. Um, <laughs> silently yeah. under the music. But... And, and Alar is reworking the radio station. He's basically ripped the guts out of every piece of machinery in the place and he's wiring together all sorts of cabling. Uh, we don't really know where he's getting the power from. So he's using the storm. Uh, so he's like jump-started. Jump-started the, the like... Um, Generator. generators and he's in the process of while also doing this making wind turbines mm-hmm. cool okay to then further power it after yeah so 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 he's using clear, this as a kickstarter to keep things going to be clear for our listeners ala is a living computer yeah. and he's maybe the most or, powerful or was computer. a living computer was a living computer and he's maybe the most powerful computing information gathering information storing system that was ever built by humans, admittedly, 50 years ago, um, now in a body. So he does Technology know is is just like... Breathing. Breathing for him. For him. It's, art, it's an artwork type of thing. Like, you have yep. no concept of what he's, like, putting together, but he's doing it, like, not even looking at it type of thing. Yeah. So you are inc- both incredibly smart, but also incredibly efficient in your building of this. Yeah. Meanwhile, Herb is like pottering around making tea. Yeah, he's like not seem doesn't seem to be too worried about the fact that there's a bunch of holes in his ceiling now. But he's like uh, bringing a bunch of pot plants out to put them in the rain for a little bit to try and get <laughs> them to to revive a we, little and stuff. And he's looking for the cat. We cut away from the montage music to a brief exposition scene where Alistair talks to uh, to Alan and he says, "Okay, so." first priority for me I just want to get a message to Pucks to tell her we're okay and we're alive because I don't want her worrying and I also don't want her bringing a bunch of other people out here and risking them when we're totally fine yeah. you're talking to Ella as he's like underneath the main like board of the the um I can one, just see your legs of, one of the servers, you can see his legs he's wearing those goggles yeah as things are like sparking it's like already done yep okay yep next thing okay how did you and it's like a Does she know we're okay? They all switch on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The next thing is I have to get a message to Heath at the tier headquarters in London. He's like plugging different things. Did you have a postcode? Yeah, I think you was like, that building is not there anymore. There is a hole in the ground where that should be. Not that one. The new tier headquarters. in. Is it in Edmund? No. Where's the new tier headquarters? No. He like was talking to like, that's not going to be... And he stops, and he's like, pausing as if he's listening for something. I think that's just Herb making tea. No, it's like... And he reaches his hand out, and like, plants his hand on your chest. And there's a t- as he pulls off the little device that Heath gave you. The little blinking orb. Crystal necklace. The little crystal necklace. And he like, rounds it around his hand. Oh, yeah, or you could use that. There's my frequency. And he breaks it open and heads back towards the desk. Ah, I forgot about that. Mm. 
Um, Ella uh, fiddles with the main board for a little bit. He pulls over a microphone, uh, plugging it in at a few different spots, and he's listening on, on a set of headphones, like one on the, on the ear, as he's like dialing, dialing, and he's like sending a Morse code signal along the um, the bandwidth, trying to like get a ping that like it's being received type of thing. He's like, alrighty, and he pulls off the the headphones and pushes them into your chest, and he's going to walk out of the room. Alistair kind of fumbles with him. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, Heath? Heath? Heath, this is Alistair. Can you hear me? Ah, Alistair. Oh, come on! That's good to see you, boy. I don't have much time. I have to... I'm sorry, Warwick. I have to speak to Heath. No, I have to speak to him right now. Oh, yes. No, no. I'm coming upstairs. Hold on. (laughs) Alistair sits there... The shortwave set, you know? Sits there in the manner of everybody who's sitting on the phone with someone who's like, oh, just give me a second while I do this thing and then shove the phone in their pocket while they're like, pay for a muffin or something. You can hear him coming up the stairs. (laughs) Shortwaves. They never made them any smaller. And like, all right. You hear a door creaking up and it's like, guess what? I got him on the line. Uh, not Puck, it's Alistair. All right, here Heath. you go. Okay, no, sit up, sit up. There you go. All right, yeah. Alistair, here he is. Alistair. Alistair. Is that you? Yep. Listen, I don't have much time. This thing could break at any second. I can't even begin to describe what's happening here, but I need you to know that Puck sends her blessing. She's not here right now. She can't talk to you. And I may never be able to talk to you again, but I've got just a few seconds and you need to know. Okay. Well, if this is goodbye, then... I hope not, but it... Well... I think it is. Well... Yeah, yes, yes. I'm here. Whatever's happening, just know. Pay no mind to the battles you've won. It'll take a lot more than rage and muscle. Just open your heart and your hands, my son. And you'll make it over the river. Thanks, Heath. Hi. I hope you make it over the river too. And I'll see you when we get there. And it'll be a glorious day. Heath, there's one more thing. I didn't know how I'd be able to contact you, but this thing hasn't blown up yet, so um, Puck wrote this for you, and I'm going to read it out. Is that okay? Okay. We hear the atmospheric crinkling of paper as Alistair pulls a very, very blood stick. Like, you don't even know how that much blood got on that, but he was, he was able to just read it. And the letter reads as follows. 